hidden behind closed doors. This is Beardy Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael. Michael, what movie are we discussing today? We're discussing 1988's The Brain. It's a Canadian horror film. Jason, what are we drinking? Today we're drinking Noise Violation by High Def Brewing, a double IPA. It's great. And they're a sponsor, aren't they, Michael? They did. They provided this. Uh, I contacted them. I was going downtown Los Angeles. They are a short walk from the train if you're visiting, if you live in L.A. Super accessible. Went down there, checked out their stuff. They're very new. Very good beer. The One of the founders, I believe, worked in the recording industry, thus High Def Brewing. I believe he won an Emmy for sound mixing, I believe. Don't quote me on that. Great beers, and they provided noise violation. It's refreshing. It's a little hotter in a December. Well, it's not even December yet. It's the end of November out here in the San Gabriel. When this comes out, it will be December. It'll be December. Yeah, because these are uh, Christmas movies. This is this, is this is set in the Christmas time. It's good, though. It's fruity. There's a, there's, a, there's a little bit of heat. It is 8.9%. I saw that on the can. Yeah. It's fruity. It's got a lot of the citrus and tropical fruit, but there is like I think it's at the at the end. There's a little a little bit of a bite, and it kind of lets you know, hey, this isn't something to go drive a tractor yeah. and drink. Take that mass transportation. <laughs> exactly. And we've done that before. We met at a brewery. Um, I use it a lot. Yeah, I use it as much as I can. And what's really nice is for some reason, especially if, if if you throw a bicycle into it, breweries are really really accessible. You can do a whole wonderful brewery tour. But this one, you don't even need a bicycle. Yeah. This you get dropped off. It's where the downtown LA, where the Staples Center. But this place is very close to that. Wonderful location. Good people. Beer is fantastic. I really dug it. I was. I'm glad I took the public transportation because I was. I was doing a lot of little samples here and there. But by the time I got up to go, I went. Ah, I'm glad I took the train. I'd be napping in the car for a while. So. And is there anything that you saw about this beer? You're like, this is going to be a perfect match for the movie that you chose. Yeah, it is my pick. I picked this. How did you come across this movie? It's funny because I had a, it was Amazon Prime. It's been on our list for a while. I had another another movie picked, and I pulled it, and I just sort of randomly grabbed the brain off the list, and I said, we're going to do this. And I watched it, and I remember texting you. I said. It just happens to be a bonus. This is set during Christmas. Absolutely. Which is kind of cool. It's going to be an interesting discussion because we, are, I think we are very different on this movie. I get some Cronenberg. There's very much from the beginning. Not, and I don't well, think... It's in Canada. It, it is Canadian. <laughs> but I mean, there's there, the way it's shot, there's some shots that just are, remind me. Even the score. I think we talked about it's got like an 80s synth score. But it's not even just the 80s synth. There's, very, there's something very specific. Sort of like when you listen to a John Carpenter movie... You can listen, you just listen to the score and you go, that's John Carpenter. The same with a a lot, especially the earlier Cronenberg. This has that. Even the content. We're talking about mind control through television, through signals. Uh, The first thing I thought was Videodrome. Yeah. And I was trying to think of other movies that had, that played with this idea of taking control of adults or youth through TV, and there was a Videodrome, there was They Live, and there was this 80s movie called Remote Control, same thing with Aliens, yeah. trying to take over through TV. It's, it's a very convoluted plan. It, it is, it is, but it's also, it's kind of timeless. I mean, you could kind of remake this and not even, you know, not television isn't what it used to be, but you could do this through a streaming. We're, yeah. we're streaming something, and the more people you reach, 
the more mind control. The end game in this one, I'm not really sure what the plan was. Real quick. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Exactly. <laughs> There's an alien brain that's really big when we meet it and just keeps getting bigger. And it doesn't have a tail. It's a spinal cord. It's a spinal cord growing out. Yes. They, for some reason, they felt that was important it, it, to specify. Well, you, you know, you're trying to bring a little science to this. Yes. And, and, and also show, you know, the dopey assistant is a dopey assistant. <laughs> So there's, there's an alien brain that's being kept at the Psychological Research Institute. PRI. And what it does is there's a, a television show called Independent Thinking, another clever name. Through this show, the brain is sending out its brain waves. And they're supposed to, they're supposed to brainwash control people. You have the people who can be controlled and then they basically become slaves to the brain. Or the people whose brains are too strong and they can't, they resist the brain control they just start having these horrible hallucinations that cause them to murder and commit suicide. We, we, we should talk about the great... Opening. But that's the thing is you get it. That's one of the things I do like about this movie and you can't, you can't argue with me on this is they don't wait. Right from the get-go, we get independent thinking and then we get a mom watching independent thinking with Dr. Blake who's played by David Gale, the only person we need to mention. He played the doctor who gets beheaded in Reanimator. Do you think but, it was a toss to him at the very end where they behead him again? Come on. It has to be, right? There's, there's I no, so. There's no way they had that. And then after the fact, he said, you know, in Reanimator, the same thing happened. And they said, no, really? We never, we're not familiar with Stuart Gordon's Reanimator in 1988. And then we go to Becky's mom. Her mom is watching Independent Thinking. And she, her mom says, hey, we all come down and watch Dr. Blake. He's on. And Becky, she's... She, She's a young teen, and she goes, I see enough of him already. And you can tell, she's like, she does not think highly of this dude. Goes into her bedroom. And the episode of this independent thinking is Teenage Alien Nation. And I'm overemphasizing that word. <laughs> no, it's... And, and, and I will say, and I'll probably say this again, is that that's a moment where this movie, I think, it plays everything straight. And I think one of its mistakes is it should have leaned in. There was some good chance, good opportunities for dark humor, some real black humor that they missed. And like that is sort of one. I don't think they really intended that. I don't think there was anything in there. I agree with you on that. I think they could have gone down the route like Cronenberg with Videodrome and making it more horrific. Or they could have been funny like They Live with John Carper. But I watch this movie I'm like, we'll pick something. The things I'm laughing <laughs> yeah. at, you weren't intending to be humorous. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But, you know, and it's like, I think we talked about real quick. Uh, in Repo Man, when Emilio Estevez's character goes to, like, try to get money from his parents. He's like, yeah, I want to go to college. I want my college money now. And his parents are sitting on the couch watching, like, a televangelist, sort of their own brainwashing. And they're just sitting there, and they're covered with cobwebs because they, they've just been stuck in the couch watching it. And, and they go, oh, we're sorry, son. And they're just completely, you know, that brainwashed yeah. zombie. It's very much the pod people thing. Yeah. Like, I feel like they could have done, because at times people are almost pod people-like in this movie, but I honestly think it's because the acting isn't that good. All that said, Becky, she goes into a room and everything changes around her. The worst acid trip ever, pretty much. Jane, watch this with me. Alien tentacles and alien hands start popping out of the television, the door, the walls, everything. You know what really weirded it's the Jane out? Teddy bear with the bleeding eyes. The teddy bear just starts moving, and then blood comes out of its eye, and it's still moving. And that's Jane just went, nope, nope. And, and I went, wait, the alien tentacles didn't really upset because I'll, I'll admit it. 
that kind of weirded me out because that's the first thing. It just moves. And she thinks she's being attacked by the tentacles. And she picks up scissors and starts stabbing the tentacles. And all of a sudden, the hallucination ends. And she realizes like she had just stabbed her mom. And then it goes crazy again. And then she ends up like flying out the window. The brain shows up in her mirror. The brain has... We can't figure out no. the brain's powers. If, if it's like projecting these images. And it looks like the brain shoves her out the window. But then we see her... She's like committed suicide, so it's a murder-suicide. We find out in Meadowvale, that's where we're at. Meadowvale, what I realize in this movie, could be a, a sleepy little town of about 1,500 or a giant metropolis like Toronto. Well, clearly big enough to support a TV show that is now going to go nationwide within days, which is part of the plot for that alien brain to take Yeah, but more do you people. get what I mean, though? Yeah. Is that it's, it's like it's so small where everybody keeps bumping into the same people. They and, all and, work and in and the every, same place. And everybody, yeah, and it's just everywhere you go, it's sleepy. And then all of a sudden, there's a moment in the end where it looks like Jim is on a hill overlooking Toronto. I, I went, holy smokes, this, this town's huge. I yeah. didn't think it was that big. No, I agree. Throughout, yeah. it's a quiet town where the cop. There's like the one Officer cop, Marks. Officer <laughs> Marks who knows all the kids. And then then later, for whatever reason, there's a bunch of cops. But yeah, and, and they're always in a country road. But then we find out it's a huge metropolis. I don't quite get that. Yeah. But anyway, we're jumping ahead. <laughs> so Becky Becky dies. And when she flies out the window, um, you know it's Christmas time because there's like a Santa Claus right outside. Her. <laughs> yes. The next, very next scene, we are introduced to our hero, Jim, how do you pronounce his last name? I'm going to call him Jim the whole time. It's Jim. Yeah. Because it's Mag- Magilewski. Yeah. The subtitles, very weird. <laughs> yes. Because they keep calling him Magileski, yeah. but then it looks like Lucy. Anyway, we'll call him Jim. Yeah. Jim, who, I'll say this is another little problem I have. Jim is a very unlikable character for your hero. Acting is a little weak. It doesn't help, but I also think the guy was given a character who's just a brat. He is just a jerk. I was surprised that when you're first introduced to him, he comes across as what you would, you might consider the bully or the school jokester at first. And all of a sudden you realize like, oh, this is going to be our main character that we're going to stay with. He's driving his car. He's going to school. The radio's playing. If you listen in the background, he's talking about there was a murder, suicide, there was another crazy death. There's been a bunch of those going on in this sleepy little town of Meadowvale. There's no connection between all these deaths. What I find funny... We find out is that kids are being sent to PRI. There's a really easy connection to make if you go, hey, all of these kids are killing their parents and then committing suicide. What Do they have anything in common? You know, they all go to that PRI place for help. That's, my That's not a connection. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. Get out of here. I mean, that so, reporter on the radio, I'm like, man, he's and, not and, a very good reporter. He's just reading the news. Well, he, you know what? He's not a reporter. He's the <laughs> DJ. So because then immediately after that, he says something along the lines of, let's get back to this rock and rock and roll. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the worst. Jim shows up. He's unlikable. He, he, he meets his friend Willie and Debbie. find it interesting because they go, hey, you know, what time did you get home last night? And he goes, 1230. My old man was so mad. And then his Jim's girlfriend, Janet, shows up and... She asked Debbie and Willie, what'd you guys do this weekend? So for whatever reason, she must not have been included. No. And what, what was going <laughs> They're not on good friends. the night before? <laughs> Jan's kind of a, a wet blanket a little bit. <laughs> if she does his homework. Yes. <laughs> Jim, we find out he's just the classic, doesn't work up to his potential. Yeah. Underachiever. He's got one of the highest IQs. Uh, exactly. Class. Yeah. Even though they focus on some, a very convoluted last name for Jim, everybody else's name is Debbie, Becky. Willie, 
Janet. We're not striving even, for... Even Jim, for whatever reason, they, they decided Majeleski. It's got to be someone's friend's name. Yeah, they're like, growing I'm going to get you in this movie. Or a mix of names. It's something. So the class bell rings, but before going to class, Jim says, i got to do something. <laughs> He's got to go do a prank. He goes into the bathroom. He pulls out pure sodium. I was an underachiever in school. I had to go to chemistry twice. I was never very good at chemistry. Pure sodium, if you mix it with water, it explodes. Did you know this? Oh, I'm going to tell you a story because growing up, the next door neighbor, his son, threw it in the pool and it cracked the foundation of their pool. It cracked the pool. They had to drain the pool and patch it all up. Whoa. So, yes. Now, that neighbor also had a series of other problems because he also played with agricultural dynamite at one point. Well, Jim throws the sodium into the toilet and flushes it, and he walks out, and there's some teacher there who keeps really obsessed with combing what little hair he has. Mr. Quibbly or Quigley or something like that. And he throwaway character. And so Jim throws the little box that says, sodium, do not mix with water. Explosive. (laughs) Throws it, and he walks out, and everything explodes. And there's Mr. Woods drinking from the water fountain. And, you know, oh, he gets sprayed in the face. And Mr. Quibbly's in the bathroom and the toilet exposed in the water. So I can only imagine what kind of water is like yeah. he's getting all over him. <laughs> so Mr. Woods grabs Jim and goes, I know I got you, you punk. You did this. You did it. And he goes, hey. and he's busted. Mr. Quibbly comes out and goes, I got you a little box of sodium. So, I mean, Jim's in this whole deal because they have to have this meeting now with his parents. I was going to say that if you're going to show <laughs> sodium... <laughs> Why? This comes up a lot. It comes up a lot. You show X in the first act. You, you better, better have X do something in the third act. You're absolutely right. It's so true. So, no, they had this parent meeting with Mr. Woods, and he says, you know, Jim's getting you know good grades. He's one of the most intelligent kids, but his antics are too much, and I'm going to have to suspend him, and he won't graduate. And Jim goes, you can't do that. And I'm thinking, I mean, I, I struggled through high school. Because I, I had an attitude problem and I was I was just bored and I was like I need to get out of here. But I knew grades only do so much. You're you're blowing stuff up, yeah, bro. He's do, and, then, and clearly this isn't the first prank. He's done other things, but you know he blew up the plumbing in the school and he's like you can't do you can't keep me from graduating for that. And it's I, I go that's kind of exactly what they can do. It's that scene right there where we talk about where they could have made it more political or put an edge to it because Mr. Woods offers him something. He says, we have a institute that works with kids like this. He goes, let me show you something. And they go and put that video cassette on. 30 seconds. It's really just a commercial. <laughs> he even <laughs> says tapes. Mr. Woods <laughs> yeah. says Mrs. Ch- Mrs. Chisholm, yeah. I think. Who was an odd-looking odd looking bird. Yeah, she looks like she could She was in cahoots. Yeah, she, she had a look on her face that yeah. was like, uh-huh. And she, he goes, like, she has some tapes, yeah. and she plays 30 seconds of one tape. And it's, and and they it's go, like, call us. Wow, that, that sold me. You know, we want to send – and what I like is Mrs. Chisholm, which lends it – we never explore this. Another thing that I think could – sort of like the movie The Faculty. Yeah. We could have gone that route a yes. little more. Because Mrs. Chisholm, she, she goes, we've sent other students to PRI – with good results. And I go, wait, the girl just killed her mom, committed suicide, and that seems to be a pattern yeah. of people who go to PRI. <laughs> so, I mean, right there is like an opportunity. But for- even that scene where I thought they could have poked fun, where he they put on the tape, and literally it's just, it doesn't give them any information. It, it's it just goes a independent thinking, like PRI, independent <laughs> thinking, and then doc, a close-up of, there are tons of close-ups on independent thinking of just his face yes. filling the screen. 
You're no Jude Law, bro. <laughs> let's, let's back it off a little bit. Nobody need like that would creep me out. The guy's got a he's he plays a great villain. David Gale plays a really great villain. He's very unmenacing. Yes. And again, another chance for humor that is sort of like barely played is yes. Jim's mom. After they watch twenty second clip, his mom goes, Doctor Blake wouldn't be on TV if he wasn't good. Exactly. They couldn't it was commit. Flat. They couldn't. Yeah. It was sort of just said straight. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of humor in it. The decision is made for Jim. He is going to go to PRI, but he has to pull one last prank. He gets up, and everybody just stand. They stand up. Like the meeting's over. Like you're going to leave. And he goes, <laughs> reaches yeah. in his pocket. He's like Dennis the Menace. Yeah. Pulls out this tube of, you know, super glue, but it's super goo. Yeah. And he puts it all over Woods' chair and walks out, and Woods sits down. But he's the only one who sits down, too. <laughs> Yeah. That's fine. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. I don't like, know. Ah, maybe, I maybe he has that you know condition where you just like you lose energy immediately or something. I don't know. One last prank on his way to the the Breast Institute. Yeah. I'm sorry, the Psychological <laughs> Research the PRI. <laughs> and then we have a transition, and it's the makeout session. And so you're you're back to this team team comedy where. Jim wants to pursue his romantic relationship with Janet because he's had a hard day. And Janet's like, like I told you, there's not going to be any sex until college. And you're just going to have to follow me to the college I go to if you you know, you know, want that. Which, first of all, he's being a little pressury. Yeah. It's not, not very fair to her. Yeah. And he's also using, I've had a really bad day. And it's like, wow, that's not fair. Yeah. But then her turning around going, you know, you got to go to the same school. What if she gets into like a so-so school yeah. and he could go to you know uh, Oxford? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, are you re- do you really want him to pass? Like if, yeah. if Oxford says welcome, you don't have to pay a dime. We got you covered, dude. They're goofing around, and of course, their friends Willie and Debbie. They're yeah, the jump scare. They're practic. They're practical jokers Everybody too. Everybody in this crew. That's why Janet wasn't with them that one night. They're out doing jokes around the city. And she's she's humorless. No sense of the mischief. They do play it as like a scare. It's going to be ooh ooh. We're going to get that slasher moment. That scene in a lot of teen comedy. They're saying let's not have sex right now at the beginning of the movie. At the end of the movie, they're going to consummate the relationship. We're going to pick the dumbest time. Always under duress. Pick the dumbest time (laughs) next to the skeleton in the science lab. (laughs) I think that's a common trope in these these kind of teen movies. It is, but it is just just so bad. Let's choose it right when the person's about to slash through us. But they're friends. They got (laughs) the fake mask. They're freaking them out. And then Officer March shows up. Who knows them all. Yeah, oh, of course, because it's a small town, Jason, yeah. until the end. <laughs> it's a super small town, and he says it's past curfew. So Jim and Janet drive off, but he doesn't He doesn't really address Willie no. and Debbie. Who it's are, a, I like, guess, wearing masks? And they're just walking. They have got. They don't appear to have any transportation. I know. That's right. I assume when they're driving away that I would see Willie and Debbie in the backseat. I'm like, oh, he just he told them to get the skedaddle, but there's other Maybe people Jim that Maybe Jim has a curfew? Yeah. I don't know. So... I, honestly, this is one of the scenes where every once in a while I'm like, oh, there's some things that you could cut. There's scenes in this movie that make it a little longer. <laughs> and that scene right there, besides providing a small little jump scare, doesn't really progress a plot except that you now know that the one officer in town knows Jim. But I don't think that's really an important part of the whole it, plot. It serves nothing. Yeah. Because we've already met 
Debbie and Willie, and we have another scene that would have fleshed out the, their characters a little more. And also that subplot, this romantic subplot, doesn't necessarily even need to be in the movie. In the writing process, as they were writing it, somebody said, we have to have a love interest. That's screenplay by numbers. So I'm with you. Because now Jim's at PRI. Yes. He's checking in at PRI. The the security guard is just the worst attitude ever. Uh, You know, he's like, I know there are so many crazy people here. And he's like, the crazies are over there. And I went, whoa, if you're running an institute for mental health, you... Don't please don't refer to them as crazies. Or and if nit, somebody nitwits, yeah, if somebody does, you know, kindly correct them. So he tells Jim, "You got to walk down, follow this white line, and fill this stuff out." He's going, and he bumps into this guy, another kind of classic scanners Cronenberg person, because he kind of knows. And he tells them the plot. He tells them everything that's going on. This guy approaches him, and he is. He comes off as like this sort of one floor was the cuckoo's nest guy who's like crazy. He's going, "Hey, you know, what if I told you, you know, Doctor Blake is like he's he's an alien and they're." They're taking over. They're taking over. And Jim's going, yeah, whatever, loony. <laughs> Jim follows that white line, enters a room, and there's looks like a polygraph. I, there's a lot of contraptions, but there's a TV screen, and he sits down in front of it. And Jim even thinks that on one side of the glass, they're watching him, and he hits the glass. And sure enough, on the other side, Dr. Blake. With Verna. And the brain, which... You know, at this point, the brain's so big, it's just flopping over the vat it's sitting in. <laughs> it's getting a little bigger, and I do like that. That it's like it's. Gonna, I don't know what the end game would be with this brain, though. It keeps growing every time we see it. There's a 1953 movie called Donald's Brain. It's based on a book. There was an early 1940s version of it, and then there was a 60s version of it called The Brain. And the same thing. There's always this brain in the vat that's slowly trying to take over people. And then there's that other one that I think people are. That this one kind of the brain reminds me the the brain from Planet Auroras where the the brain's kind of floating around and the guy takes an axe to it out of the end. Yeah, the brain attacks him. Jim's in a room that's crisp clean. It looks like a research institute, and then they go to the that room. It looks like a dungeon. Oh, it, dude, <laughs> like it, it is. You're, it's creepy. And then Vivian, she enters the room, check on Jim yeah. to make sure you filled out your form. Oh, and your parents, you know, signed the, you know, the forms. And uh, good, good. And we're just doing some preliminary. Vivian's pretty striking. Yes, she's she like is. six foot, and she, I, I believe, the actress was a model. Um, it's about six foot, blonde, beautiful, beautiful woman. And Jim, of course, being a teen, this excites his raging hormones. Yeah. So then she bails, and Dr. Blake. He shows up and goes, hey, Jim. And I'm like, if I was a teenage kid, I go, like, is there any way that woman can run the yeah, test? Exactly. You know? like, I would much rather Dr. That. Vivian. <laughs> he does some tests and then he hooks up the electrodes. And Jim is, you know, I'll give him credit. He's, he's kind of going, he's questioning. throughout. What do you, what's that? What are you doing? You know, they're putting things on his brain. And then you see their the electrodes connect to the brain. There's going to be something going on here. And that's, so this is where I find it very complicated so Dr. Blake says, Jim, look at the monitor. When you see the wires coming off the brain and the wires on Jim, I don't think they're connected because why else is he having Jim look through the monitor? The brain is trying to send signals to his brain. And again, I don't I don't understand this because... I know, it, I'm not a scientist. No, <laughs> no, I'm not either. And Jason, I'm with you because the electrode thing, it's like, what, what are you testing here? Yeah. Because this comes out through your television. If the, if the signal can like take you... Just if you're sitting at home eating popcorn, watching the show, what's the point of bringing people up here? I, exactly. And again, this is the suspension of disbelief yes. to advance a plot. Every movie we have watched so many movies now. 
to the point where, you know, it's like even movies we love and we watch them, watch them. And when you start watching them with that critical eye, you start going, wait a second. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. No, I mean, this doesn't. Whatever they're doing, bringing these teens up here. I might suggest this. This just my suggest for these guys. That show, Independent Thinking, is a lame show to try to get people to watch. You know, it's like you want like get people like getting hit in the junk with a football. You know what I'm saying? You want to get as many eyeballs on your television, and having this really creepy old man with just close-ups of his face might not be the best way to bring in an audience. Talking about teen alienation. I know. No, you. What you want to do is like stupid home videos yeah. and send the brain signal off through that. But they didn't. I digress. I, no, I so, think they were trying but, to make fun of at that time. Phil Donahue Absolutely. and Sally Jesse daytime shows and a lot of people were turning in to watch them. And it's an addiction. And, you, and you're living your life, you're trying to solve your problems by staring at a television. Yeah. People do it now, it's with yeah. a phone. You're living through that and it's the world around you that is much more, can be a much more yeah. interesting. Your problems aren't going to be solved staring at a television all No, day. more likely they're going to be taken over by a space alien brain. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but so, that test, talk about that test. Well, this is do. this is where you get like the video drum because even the backdrop, yeah. he's looking at a monitor and they say you know what it what and it shows vivian again very striking attractive woman she's holding an apple dr blake says what is vivian holding jim says she's holding an apple immediately dr blake gets all like cranky about it he's like no she's holding a baseball and he goes no she's holding an apple and he said look at the monitor yeah (laughs) it's it's just like the everything about this is just a bad setup meanwhile the brain is sending like text to this screen and the brain is growling and I'm still trying to figure out, like, how is it growling if it has a no mouth at the it's, time? It's an alien brain. It can do what it wants. Stop. Jim, for a second, he sees the baseball. And the, and the brain is sending these thoughts into the screen. This control isn't taking hallucination. Do you think the brain is communicating at that time or that part of the programming of this? I think it's the brain. Because it's, it's very nice at the time. It's like not taking, you know, later on it's very aggro-aggressive. Brain. No, it's excessive. <laughs> exclamation. exclamation excessive. So, <laughs> and, and so basically this doesn't seem to be taking. Dr. Blake's getting frustrated. Maybe something we learn later about Dr. Blake is why he's getting frustrated. If he's an alien, maybe he's connected to the brain yeah. in that way. But Jim gets to the point where you're appealing to a certain segment of your yeah. audience because Jim, they, they keep saying, what are you seeing? And then all of a sudden, Vivian's on screen. She's topless. Any teen boy at that time. Yeah, oh, and, and Jim Jim's looking, and, and he goes, now this is my kind of exactly. therapy. Exactly. <laughs> And, and, I, and I'm just, whenever I see something like this, I just think like my, my 12, 13, 14 year old self, is, it was like, that's yeah. home run. This yeah. is a good movie. Best movie ever made. Yes, this is, the, this is a good movie, guys. <laughs> Trust me. Because she's, she's just topless and she's holding an apple. Then things get weird because she steps out of the television. And Jim is, you can tell the wheels are turning. He, he's going, that's cool. But that's not right. It keeps flashing between the brain and Jim. And all of a sudden, the Jim starts seeing the brain. And the brain's got this evil face. It's a giant brain with black eyes and terrible teeth. Like and it's sharp, like jaws, like teeth. Coming at you. It's coming at you, man. It shows that he has resistance to the brain's hypnotic transmissions. And then there's a discussion. Vivian walks back into the room with the brain, with Dr. Blake. And Werner, the orderly. She's clearly been involved. She's, yes. she's involved with this, but she thinks it's gone too far. Because she. I think she even says, that thing's trying to take over us. 
wasn't that the point the whole time? <laughs> That's well, I mean, this is what I would say is, is maybe she thought, I'm in on it. I'm not going to be one of the drones. Yes. But she's going, wait, I think this thing's actually trying to take me over now. That's where I drew the line because I wasn't supposed to be a part of the experiment. I might be defending the film, the story. But, I mean, that maybe that would be a breaking point if you thought, hey, those are the subjects. I'm, you know, the control. And then suddenly you start feeling like you're losing your power. You might say, hold on, I didn't sign up for that. I want to come back to the room where there's a giant monster brain. Dr. Blake, who's clearly pro, let's push this forward, say, you know what? We need to stop this. I would have left and written a resignation letter. <laughs> no, exactly, Jason. You don't go you don't go into the dungeon yeah. and start saying how much you're going to tell people about the dungeon and what and a the terrible, horrible monster that's in yeah, the dungeon. <laughs> standing next to the monster in the dungeon saying, "I'm going to go out of the dungeon and expose everyone in the dungeon." Out of nowhere, the the brain just leaps at her and flipping eats her. And at that point there's no way for it either because also it looks like it just kind of cracks open. It looks like you can see the sponge of the practical effect and just kind of pulls her inside. And she's, you know, you see the actress is like fighting. She's got this big fake brain over and she's, Dr. Blake is watching. He's got this creepy smile. Yeah, and he goes, He's, that's food for thought. <laughs> womp, womp. That point right there was intentionally supposed to be funny. And I'm thinking, what, like, why then? See, see they, they couldn't lean into one thing or the other. But it's a cool moment. I don't know. <laughs> I felt bad for Vivian. PRI, the facility, is enormous. And I get the feeling there's only really three people working there. It's enormous. We only see like a fraction of it. But it takes up like a city block when you see them. It's mostly this ominous, very modern building. But uh, we only ever see... Dr. Blake, Werner, and that sec- that security guard, and the brain. And now that Vivian's gone, I don't know who else is working there. There's tons of offices everywhere. Jim Bales, he, he says, you guys are nuts. You're crazier than that guy out in the hallway, which is really interesting yes, because that guy out in the hallway is actually spot on. And so he's driving home, and he starts already hallucinating. The yeah. car starts, the steering wheel falls off, a tentacle, tentacle comes out, and he's like almost getting hit, and then he rolls his car. See, I thought at first that that was a, like a complete hallucination. It was a dream, and all of a sudden he was going to step out and he'd be driving. I, I don't was, know where the hallucination ends and what's reality. Again, it's like that video drum thing, yeah. where it's like, I think it's all hallucination, and it causes him to crash, and then he goes to the burger bar. Because everybody works at that burger bar. Because Debbie, Willie, it's and Janet. It's a small town. You have an so, accident anywhere around PRI, and you're going to walk to that burger Jason, place. Jason, <laughs> uh, throughout the whole time, I kept going, this could have been shot anywhere in Iowa, <laughs> you know, anywhere in Wisconsin. <laughs> it's like, because it is. It's so rural, and there's so many, like, country roads <laughs> that they're on. So Jim goes in, and he's, he's all bloody. He's telling Janet, I got to talk to you. He's babbling, saying the things that he's seen at PRI. Willie and Debbie are trying to help. And, of course, this is when the cheerleading squad yeah. decides they need some burgers. Yeah. You know, in terms of economics, two ninety nine for the hamburger, french fries, and Coke at that place. Wow. I miss those days. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I found out there was two ninety nine for a decent burger, fries, and Coke, yeah. I'd get I'd, three I'd, of them. I'd find room for, like, three or four burgers. <laughs> I would do that. I would do it. So, so anyway... Officer Marks, of course, shows up. Everything, it's just funny how procedure moves very rapidly for some things in this movie because Officer Marks shows up and Jim's in the back room. All the kids have to go out and work. Jim starts hallucinating and freaking out, knocking stuff over. And Officer Marks comes in and he goes, hey, Jim's here. 
Ah, oh, he's your he's your boyfriend. I thought he'd be here. He just totaled his car. That moves really quick. Exactly. Like we just found the car, we ran it, I'm here, boom, boom. So they hear all this crashing in the back, and it just escalates where Jim comes out and he's he's fighting against an unseen force, yes. very reanimator style. So that's when you truly think, okay, yeah, he is hallucinating. Yes. Because no one else sees what he's fighting for. He's up on the counter throwing stuff around. Verna pulls up. Verna is sort of a menacing looking dude. He's got a big goatee, the big beard, balding, and he's he's a character actor. He's done a few things, done done more more voiceover. He's just got a look about him that's very intimidating. The cop yeah. just lets this guy run in out of nowhere and just inject Jim with something and take him away. And not only that, just throw him over his shoulder and everybody's like, you can't do that. And he's like, he pulls out like a paper, full of paper, not even fully saying, I got his parental permission slip right here. I know. Yeah. Parental permission slips allow but, you to but like not a freely gr- inject people. Yeah. And, and just, just stabbing through the clothes. I mean, what the hell is going on up here, man? By the way, Jason, just something I noticed. The uniforms at the burger bar call for them to wear ascots. I, I noticed that. <laughs> I was going to say that. I was like, that is a true uniform. <laughs> We're back at PRI. Jim's in a cell. So PRI has a TV station inside of it. It does outpatient therapy sessions for teens. It also has a psychological ward. It seems to have a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> it's like multitasking. So Jim's in a cell, which it's a really weird cell because there's like open electric outlets. They, they didn't have the biggest budget. No, you know? no, I mean, no. come on. I'm, I'm nitpicking at this point. But Jim's sitting there and all of a sudden there's, there's just all this commotion at the door and a knife is coming through and it opens and it's the crazy guy from earlier. And he comes in and he goes, they won't find me in here and you can go, but they're never going to find me in here. And it, that's a point where after watching this, I, I, I went, is, is that guy for real? Or is that guy figment of Jim's imagination? If I was remaking this movie, which I think this movie could be remade and be pretty cool, that guy has to serve more of a purpose than just those two little moments. He's there to, one, tell you in a concise term at the very top, first time what the plot is. And number two, because if he doesn't come along, Jim's stuck in that room. That's the end of the movie. If it was so important to get Jim back to the facility, don't you think they'd put a guard on that room? Because they basically throw him in there. And then some crazy guys just wandered around. With, with a knife. With a giant butcher knife. And, and also the door to the room. That's like, I remember that door was like in the, in the school room that I grew up in. It's not a cell door. So at the same time, we have Willie and Janet decide they're going to break into PRI and rescue Jim. With really no plan. They, they Just a bolt cutter. A bolt cutter to open up a and, boiler room. And bolt cutters play a big part in this movie. Yeah. It comes up quite often. Sodium and bolt cutters. I think it was sponsored by some Canadian sodium and bolt cutter consortium. Exactly. <laughs> and Jim trades places with that crazy man. And he opens a door like, and he sees Dr. Blake talking to the alien brain. Yeah. And he's speaking, and it's like there's clear some telepathy yeah. going on where the brain is communicating. It, it with must his- expand or die. <laughs> But then the brain notices that Jim's spine also the brain turns around. I mean, it's enormous now. It is. It's getting big. And, and it's like, brah, he's here. Yeah. Jim's here, my nemesis. Yeah. And so Verna, and this is one of my 
favorite moments is when Jim's escaping. Verna and a security guard are chasing him. Verna, apparently, it's important for an orderly to be armed. All the time. <laughs> this time he's just got a pistol. And and, they're, and Jim run down some stairs. And Verna and the security guard lean over the side and just start just opening fire kind of blindly. Like, not taking aim. They're just shooting wildly inside this building. And I'm going, there's got to be some problems. Yeah. I mean... I mean well, I think Dr. Blake should have said, man, I'm throwing all my eggs in this giant brain basket. I'm not sure how smart this giant brain is. <laughs> because I would assume at that point the brain has control over Verna and the security guard. <laughs> uh, and, and, and it's great because then we go, Willie and Janet, they're, they're walking through the basement, the yeah. bowels yeah. of PRI. With signs worded about sodium everywhere. There's a giant <laughs> sign that says, pure sodium. <laughs> beware yeah. and, and willie's doing this he goes we're never gonna find him in this giant place and he's right but the, the gym <laughs> immediately he runs around the corner again it not played for laughs it's it's sort of done straight and poor willie you know they well willie willie's fodder and willie gets taken by the brain it comes out of nowhere again here's the thing the brain can it teleport what is going on because they are they're walking through and all of a sudden it pops out of a corner and it gets willy but it's like it is huge at this point it is the size of about a vw bug i would say when you look at that practical effect there's someone standing with brain colored leotards on with the giant brain over his head (laughs) because you can see its thighs and butt move and it eats willy now my question is it has a tongue it doesn't have hands or anything like that. It's it not really a tongue. It's a tentacle. A tentacle. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, it really <laughs> but, is. But it comes out of its mouth. Yeah, so a- absolutely. But if that's its only weapon to fight against and to pull people inside its mouth or maw, it would seem like a pretty easy... The tongue thing can like go out fast, and it also seems to be able to pop up out of nowhere. Because it grabs Willie really quick. I would like to see you take on the brain, Jason. Well, like, I would be able to probably... Be able, without, Jim, without sodium. No, and- I'm giving you no sodium. Because when Jim and Janet take it on, it spends a long time. It can't even get them. No, <laughs> and, and he beats it back with like a bottle. Yeah, he just like has he stabs a, like a tentacle the bottle. It's so. a plastic bottle. It's a, Again, it's a little uh, yeah. inconsistent. Reminds me of the alien dead. Jim and Janet, they, they sadly, they have to watch their friend yeah. die. They escape. They're driving. Marks pulls them over. This is where things get just really weird because because Marks pulls them over and goes like, ah. They said, hey, we saw Willie killed. He goes, you killed him. There's an APB. Yeah. Like that happened in five minutes. Uh, exactly. And Jim's just just not helping himself because he's, like, he's just going, you a-hole. Yeah. This. And, and what I love is that he's going, we have to get back to PRI. we got to get back yeah. to PRI. And they're driving away yeah. from PRI. <laughs> So it just doesn't help him. And Marks, you had a great but this observation. This is my favorite scene. When Marks pulls him over, he has his gun in his hands. And then as he's handcuffing and kind of manhandling both Janet and Jim, he forgets the guns in his hand. And the guns literally like sometimes put at Mark like in, in their faces, like right, like it's turned backwards into Mark's face. You're, you're watching him <laughs> cuff two people, and I'm just and, and I went, oh, you know what? If you're cuffing somebody, you probably don't have a gun in your hand. No. I mean, that would probably be training. Yes. That if I was training. Because the gun could go off. He's got him cuffed. He's like, you guys are crazy and there's an APB. And then Verna shows up. And this, this makes no sense to me at this point. No, but it's awesome because he shoves it. And he's telling him, he says, get in the back of the car. And yeah. they go and get in the back of yeah. the car. And then Verna shows up. 
And Mark's, he goes, I got him over there in the car. And Verna just pulls out an axe, smacks him in the back with the axe, and then one swing take, his takes off. his head off. That's an axe. But why? I, to, to blame more body count on Jim? Because at this point, everybody's blaming everything on Jim. Jim. I'm not saying they planned that. I think they just thought, eh, let's just make Verna crazy. Like, he's controlled by the brain. And the brain is just like, he's on a, a scorched earth, yeah. killed Jim <laughs> policy. You know? But this is awesome because he comes over to get the kids. They're watching. They're like, oh, we got to get out of here. So they get out. They're running up a hill. And, and Verna's chasing them. Jim picks up a rock and smacks them. And then they get away. And then more cops come <laughs> And this is what these cops drive up to. They pull up to a scene where there's a cop with his head chopped off. And if you look up this hill, there's this menacing looking guy in a white orderly outfit holding an axe up. And he's just yelling. And and he goes, Majalewski killed him. Cut his head off. And he's talking why he's having the axe. And everyone believes him. Every they just they just believe him. Yeah, they're like, that and, guy. Yeah, no, talking about this this person. We need to listen to this guy. He has some important information for us right now. No, I mean I think for the most part you'd get out and be like, dude, you're down. Yeah, exactly. Stop right now. Drop that thing. You're done. The kids they're running, and Janet says we should go to school. And as they're working their way to school, they come across Mr. Wood's house because the police are now. And everyone's watching independent thinking. Yeah. And Jim's worried because now that everyone's watching it, he's like, nobody's gonna believe us. Remember, the day began with Jim in an accident. I love you do the I love and that now, you do the day to day thing. At, like it's still that same day. Independent thinking's already going on there saying Jim is a, a menace. He's a maniac. In fact, there is a newspaper that says Mad Majalewski murders, murders more. more. <laughs> Which is another joke. Like I it was and that was a throwaway. You had to stop and look at that newspaper to see it. But what happens to Mr. Woods? Well, it's great is his wife is watching independent thinking and Blake is saying, if your husband isn't watching with you, then he's bad. That's downright creepy. Yes. And so she goes out back. He's cutting wood with an electric chainsaw and he pauses to have a beer. And it's a great little exchange because she goes out and says, will you come in and watch Dr. Blake with me? He sips his beer and he goes, no. And then he takes like two steps to the left. He's on this big platform where he's cutting his wood. And he just sits down to sip his beer while his wife is standing there. It is such a weird, awkward thing that is like, it's so David Lynch. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and then she picks up the electric chainsaw. And while this is happening, Jim and Janet, they look around. They're watching And, and I'm just going to say, because I just think it's really a funny line, slightly crass. But Jim looks and he goes, it's that asshole Woods. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like, at this point, you still have that grudge. Yes, like, exactly. Like this, guy, this guy might be able to help you, but that's all you have to say. So they sit there and they watch. His wife picks up the chainsaw, and she cuts him in half, and they're watching it the whole time. As Meanwhile, cops are driving into this quiet little neighborhood. This is a slow process. It's like that Austin Powers steamroller. I mean, if they truly cared, Jim and Janet could have pulled the electric core but even Mr. Woods, he's kind of like, ah, and it cuts to her, ah. Yeah, and, and he, Jason, he's been cutting wood. He lays back. There's all sorts of like pieces of wood that he could grab and like hit. He doesn't even try to defend himself, and she does. She cuts him in half. The practical effects, it's kind of funny because yeah. it, it's pretty It's pretty clearly. It's just like newspaper shoved into a lids. pair of jeans. Yeah. You know, it's, pretty, it's pretty great, but, you know, neither here. So the kids run through, and, of course, she starts yelling, yeah. Majalewski, he, he killed him, cut him in half. 
they get to the high school. She wants to call her dad. She wants to call She's her dad. She's a good girl. Yeah. She got caught up with the prankster boy. Yeah. But Janet's a good girl. She's like, I want to call my dad. dad. Jim's putting the th- things together. Also, he has, a, he has an idea. If we kill the brain, everything will go back to normal. A decent idea. <laughs> At least it gives him a point to focus on. No matter what, kill the brain. Yeah. The brain, you got to kill the brain. It's the monster of the movie. They come back together and then that tender music. Yes. Because if well, you he comes a, back with a bolt cutter. Because yeah. it's a bolt cutter. It's a bolt cutter and sodium movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they cut their handcuffs and then it's, that tender music. She says, now's the time. Now's the time. I want, And they're in like a science lab and they're literally, I mean, Jason, there is right next to them overlooking them is a skeleton. It's in the, the, not the most romantic, yeah. you know, area. <laughs> and she goes, I don't want to wait Now's anymore. the time. I don't want to wait. Why not? I got like the whole police force of Meadowvale after me and a me- giant brain. <laughs> Meanwhile, the brain is perving, like watching them. It somehow, and again, this is the weird powers it has, it sees the skull of the skeleton this, this no and it's able to part. manipulate yeah. it and it can watch them now. Yeah. It can see through the eyes of the skeleton. Really makes no sense. That scene, how the brain's watching them, I, I don't understand it. If the, why does the brain need television yeah. if it has all this power? So Jim wakes up fully clothed. Because the scene before, they weren't. <laughs> they weren't. I think they were even in a different room. Like The floor I, I, was different. Exactly. They were on a blanket, too. Yes. Like. And he just wakes up on like a cold linoleum floor. Like, I'm sure that's what Janet thought. Like yeah. My first time is going to be on a cold yeah, linoleum exactly. floor in a science room. <laughs> Next to a, a skeleton. A bunch of psychos after I watch a cop get his head chopped off. That is my ideal. So the cops show up, and everybody has this shoot to kill. Because I think one of them says, like, you got authorized shoot to kill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, they say that when they're walking into the school. He walks in on her, and now she's watching independent thinking. She's watching Blake, and she's being... Hypnotized. Yeah. brain So she obviously doesn't have the hallucinogenic strength. She's She's a squid. She's a... (laughs) That's the next movie. (laughs) But cheers. You know what? Hey. Cheers. Speaking of cheers... Hi, Def. Thank you thank, so much. Thank you so much, Hi, Def. This is noise violation. This beer is super tasty. It is. An 8.9%. You know it's a little he- yeah. a little hotter, but still, it's an easy drinker. I dig what they're doing. I like the graphics. Yeah. It's, it's like, like a it, brain wave. It's, it's a hot... It is. <laughs> Very. There you go. It's a hop cone with headphones, and then on the bottom of the can, going around, you do. You have those sort of brain waves or music waves. Waves. That's how they're getting you, Jason. Yes. Yeah. 1203 South Olive Street, downtown Los Angeles. They redid the entire space. I can't remember. I talked to one of the brewers, and it had been a number of things before, and they went in and gutted it. It's a, it's a great spot. The beer is cool. The people were cool. Really had a good time. We'll have to get down there. Yeah, the two of absolutely. us just, just to, you know, someday a little field trip. Yeah. Go down, say hello. What else did they have on tap when you were down there? Do you notice anything else that struck you as being like, oh, that's going to be next on my list? They had a, a raspberry gosa that I took home. Super tasty. If you're into gosas, they're those lighter German-style sours. Okay, this one was really interesting, dude. Black Hole. Mm-hmm. Was an imperial stout, okay, obviously, yeah. and that thing I love a good stout, and that thing was gear. This one, Ostralata, it's a Michelada. Oh, they brewed this beer. They use oyster shells. It looks sort of like a clean pilsner, and when you taste it, it tastes like a flipping Michelada. 
It was oh. sort of mind-bending. Okay. And they got some stuff coming up because they are, they're just kind of starting. They're getting going. They've got a little barrel aging program. They want to do some souring where it's not kettle sours. Yeah. They want to do some aging sours. And I got talking to Lars, the uh, brewmaster. It was a lot of fun. So cheers. Cheers thank, again. And thank you guys so much for supporting us. Hi, Def. You know, back to Jim being chased now. Now Janet's no longer part of his crew, and he's just running gangbusters. And like as you pointed out, that everybody's just opening, shooting him in a school. <laughs> again, in a school. <laughs> again, this is, somebody might have an issue with this yes. nowadays. Yes, and Jim makes his way to the auto shop. And because he drove an old car at the very beginning, you have an inkling that maybe he knows something about a car. And he gets, a, I don't know if it's a Honda Civic or a Dodge Colt, but he gets it running and he takes off. Yes. And the police are chasing him. It's a little four-banger yeah. and these cops can't keep up. And, and this is a super long police chase where Jim constantly, even though there's a review mirror in this car, he constantly is turning over <laughs> his right shoulder looking. It really bothered me because if you're trying to escape someone, he's spending way too much time looking behind him. Well, and Jason, you can see that he's keep he's cheap, he's got this four banger. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just, it, this thing isn't going to outrun anything <laughs> except maybe a freaking Aries K. But <laughs> but he does, and he's getting away in the car. And he's just you can see where he's like doing that lean, yeah. where he's like, oh, I want this car to go yeah. faster, and it's like, yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I kept trying to figure it out I'm, I'm like this isn't a volkswagen rabbit yeah but it's it's something in that wheelhouse it looked like a dodge colt <laughs> colt yes that's probably what it was so he and of course now there's tons of, there was one cop in this flipping town now there's like cops everywhere and like an undercover cop yeah. there's like there's like a plain clothes <laughs> cop who's chasing him and jim makes this right they make a point of showing like one of the cops getting stuck yeah but they go oh he went down this road it's a dead end well, Jim goes down and finds a steep cliff, and he goes, ah, I'm going to take my own death. <laughs> yeah, push this over, and I'm going to run across this highway, and I'm going to watch. He's just going to stand there and watch as the cops come down, and they all look down, and none of them think he might have faked this. <laughs> they all think Jim drove down there just to drive off that cliff, and Jim's standing across this road watching my work. <laughs> huh? And it's like desolate. Where if you had your eyes open, you would see. If, if I just again, Jason, that looked like so many places around where I grew up. I, I could take you like and, and I could take you back in November, December when the snow is just starting to fly, and I go, Jason, we're gonna drive down this road. Yeah. We could have shot the brain right, right here, right? And you go, oh my God, Michael, you could. If the brain has all the this telekinetic telepathy, I'm sure he's controlling some of the police officers because they all make the assumption, oh, he's dead. But don't you think the brain would have known if he died? Because later on, the brain does realize he's still alive. <laughs> yes, Majalewski's here. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Is the brain, you know, it couldn't see through the people. Like, I would think that would be one of the things. The, the, the benefits of being the brain and controlling the brain, the other people's brains, is I would see. Sort of like the hive mentality, where I, I'm going to see through everything. At times, it seems to have omniscient, omnipotent, omniscient powers. Well, I'm going to... You know, you had a little backstory about the crazy guy. My backstory is Dr. Blake had Werner go and choose a brain. It was right out of young Frankenstein. Abby where you normal. Have the Abby normal brain. So it's just not working out perfectly. Do not use. Gene Wilder, rest in peace. 
Jim is walking and it's dark and he's walking on this hill overlooking a giant, it looks like a big metropolitan city. And there's water. We're on the coast. I don't remember whether this was shot. I think it was shot in Toronto, around that Okay, I was going to say it was Toronto, but um, that's a big city. And at no point, (laughs) at no point were we ever led to believe that this was a giant... Me- he does say, like, Dr. Blake mentions, mentions like, metropolitan area, but at no point are we led to believe this is, like, a huge area. But this is a big city, and Jim's just walking along, and then he's in the streets. We're now, we're at PRI, and the big news is, like, today's a day it's going to go nationwide. And you see a slow stream of visitors slowly walking. They're all drones. Jim's walking up. <laughs> Nobody recognizes Jim. No Nobody recognizes. And he is completely disheveled. Like oh, he has not changed clothes he's in got, two days. Got the white sweater that's all dirty, and and he just takes a paper out, and that's where we see the Mad Majalewski murders more. And then the brain is now communicating with Doctor Blake. Through the monitor. And now the brain is really aggressive. It's not this, like at the very beginning where it was like brackets. You know, hallucination may be in progress. Now it's like, the fool thinks he can kill us! (laughs) Exclamation point. Yes. Words are the tools of any fool. I what action? Exclamation point. Exclamation point. Exclamation point. Three exclamation points. (laughs) Was that like a knockoff of like Sun Tzu? Like the art of war? (laughs) Was it Sun Tzu that did the Art of War? Yeah. Yes. And, and then he just writes, I want action over and over. Yeah, like, and, and, and I'm like, wait, it, that might mean something else because Poison at that time yeah. had a song yeah. called I Want Action yeah. Tonight. He's like, where Satis- is the female brain? Satisfaction. All right. You know, yes. That's like, maybe. Can you grow me a female brain and another vat, Dr. Blake? Yes. At some point, like, if I go like, okay, Blake, we've got different ideas. Yeah. I'm looking to get some action. Yeah, exactly. Your action is different than my action. I'm tired of this crap bringing me these teens. Yeah. I want another lady brain. Yeah. The Vivian. Did you get when I ate Vivian? Yeah. There is an idea there. Come on, buddy. And so, so Jim, who's constantly in this push-pull, like, I need to leave PRI, but I need to get back to PRI. He's in PRI, back in that boiler room area, and he has a hallucination of Vivian, which I believe is the brain communicating with him yes it's, it's got telepathy it's got telekinesis because it can move things from yeah. a distance it can do all these things and it can project into your mind vivian topless again no other way i'm not complaining <laughs> no, no i'm not complaining as long as she feels okay with it i'm totally cool with it. and the conversation is strange and he's like you shouldn't resist and also you know dr blake is not a human <laughs> And I don't know why they keep having to bring that up. Well, and why would the brain bring it up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. At that, at that point, I'm like, is Unless the brain trying to like do a double cross? Like, hey, Jim, like you and me join up. Are you trying to say this is sort of like a film noir? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, well, but it might also be just saying the like the inevitability yeah. of it. Like, dude, you can't win. Jim finds Janet in a cold storage room with a bunch of other like. This is random. Like, this this yeah. is random. I mean, I mean, yeah, and she's saying it's going to be back. It eats people or something. And there's and like I, body parts everywhere. I'm like, dude, it eats whole people. Yeah. It doesn't like nom nom. But there's a head sitting. Yeah. No, there's a bunch of partially eaten bodies. This was complete, again, completely random. Yeah. Made no sense. So Blake takes the stage. Hey, we're going nationwide. We're negotiating to go worldwide. And then Jim sneaks into the studio. There's no security whatsoever at this place. Blake is going on about Jim, of course, because clearly he did all these things. It can't be anything else. 
And Jim shows up. and It's a strange situation because he punches... Punches. Dr. Blake and his head rolls Okay, one of, one of two things is happening here. Like, Dr. Blake is like a very weakly constructed yeah. alien. <laughs> yeah. Or Jim punches, you know, like some sort of Mike Tyson type yeah. character. But, like, one but yeah, punch man. He punches his head off. And, it, you know, if you haven't seen it, if, if you're a fan of this, this podcast, you probably are familiar with Reanimator because... David Gale, the actor, he was the doctor in Reanimator who got his head cut off and then carried his head around, did a bunch of crazy things, and it's it's iconic. You can tell it's not a human body, and Jim is starting yelling at the audience. He's lecturing them. But here's a strange thing where I don't understand the hypnotic effect of the brain because... He says, they're controlling you through te- television. And they say, look at the monitors. And as they, they look at the monitors, he's saying, I am innocent. Like, he's trying to hypnotize them. I, and all of a sudden, they're like, that Jim's a solid guy. Like, he didn't do this. And I'm thinking, now I don't understand how this TV system works. Where now Jim is able to unhypnotize the masses as they stare in the screen. I've watched this movie uh, five times now. <laughs> and I cannot figure out. I don't know. Maybe... What would have been a cool twist at the end is that the brain had programmed him. He's the new brain. That would have been a cool ending to this. I don't know. Jim rescues Janet. They head out to the warehouse. It's the climax of the movie. They're in the warehouse. The brain shows up. The brain is now the size of a car. And literally, the practical effect is they put the brain on over a car. There's no other way. I, well, I think, no, it I, I think a, it's probably a VW bus. I think it might be a forklift. It's a, it's a little more wobbly. <laughs> I mean, I, I still think, no, the, I mean, they, they, they didn't have a huge budget. No, and, no. They, and they were working with what they could. And no. I think the brain's creepy. The brain's creepy. Yeah. yeah I'll give so you that. It's, it's coming at them. And what I love is Jim just starts grabbing, throwing the random things off the shelf at the brain. And the brain's tentacle tongue comes out, grabs Janet. Janet and Jim grabs a it looks like a plastic bottle. Yeah. And he's just pounding, pounding, and the brain is not pulling her in. And he just pounds, pounds, pounds yeah. until he cuts through the tongue. And then Tentacle. The tentacle. <laughs> and then he looks, he goes, Whoa! I, what do I have in my hand? I've got pure sodium. <laughs> and he goes, Hey, hold on, Janet. Throws it into the brain's mouth. It's like a Jaws moment. <laughs> Total. Which, I mean, I guess, you know, a, a brain is made up of a lot of liquid. Yeah. And then it blows up. But also it kind of sparks like there's something behind there that's not... <laughs> there's some sparklers. Yeah, yeah. It's, it does, it, it's not a real blow-up situation. Jim's the hero. He kills the brain. And now he's at home. He's getting acceptance letters from Princeton. from, And he says they're just going to have to get in line. And now he's one. He's he's just a jerk with a bad attitude. And his parents are like, oh, you know, hey, Jim, you're getting all this love. And he goes, they're going to have to wait. And he walks out, and there are a bunch of Christmas. Everybody's got their Christmas trees, yeah. Christmas, Christmas decorations in, in a junk pile yeah. waiting for the garbage to come. And he goes out, and, back, and Janet's picking him up and driving away. And then... It's that strange triangle with the brain appearing. And it just... A little scope. Yep. The, the triangle scope. The brain going, ah, sequel. That ending scene, that breakfast nook, there was only room for two people. Like the it, mom could eat breakfast. Again, if Jason, if, 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 I was wait, I was waiting for the first time I saw it. I was waiting for like a, a Nightmare on Elm Street. That's ending, what I thought too. Where, where he goes out, gets in a car, 
and because it looked so strange. Yeah, and, and it was the setting, this the the vibe, the acting, everything just felt this is too too nice. Something weird's going. And on. And they make a joke about his dad says, eh, you know, Mr. Woods, he probably would have been happy with this and they're like it's like they smirked i'm like oh my god the guy was murdered the guy was cut in half by his wife and yeah they were they, you're right no absolutely they, weird they, they, they sort of make a joke like yeah i bet he would this dude was cut in half by his wife and she might i think is still alive and probably up for murder charges yeah. or at least if nothing else her life is going to be ruined to live the rest of her life knowing i cut my husband in half i know and i loved him a strange ending where it looks like there might be a sequel. The first credit is a warning about the sodium. Yes, don't, don't mess around. Pure sodium is not to be That's like a jerk jackass warning. Exactly. Here's the thing. Do you recommend this movie? No, 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 no. You chose it, so I'm going to ask you. All right. Would you recommend this movie? I do. This is not a great horror movie. It slipped through both of us. Yeah. This is 1988. Both of us. Should have been like on top of something exactly. like And I had never even heard of it until I was just randomly going through Amazon Prime. There are definitely flaws. But I, I think overall, I really grew to enjoy this movie. It's got some interesting elements, which are very Cronenberg. Today, still fitting the idea of our obsession and our addiction to external stimuli. There's somewhat of the Lovecraftian alien taking over us sort of vibe. It's not perfect, but, I mean, we've watched worse movies. So, what about you? I think the second viewing, I think I text you, and I think I compared this to one of our, I think we agree probably the the worst movie that we reviewed so far, no. The Bean. No, we, we don't. The, for me, for me, the Lovins. The Lovins? Oh, that's right. You hate the Lovins. No, the the Lovins. I I think the Lovins. Lo- now at your the bottom. For me, the Lovins. I think is for me the worst, the worst movie we've done. And the being is pretty bad. The being's pretty bad. Um, I I think the seventh victim is there. See, I think the seventh victim is way way better acted. This it might have been slower paced and dealt with a really. It's vanilla. just dull. <laughs> it's dull. just it's just painful. So, this so, movie, but I mean I mean I've I've brought a couple to the table yeah, that were bad. Yeah. So. I've watched this, like I said, five times now. I'm not sure it's gotten any better. This last viewing, I I laughed the whole way through. And you're right, unintentionally. I don't think they meant these parts. My issue with the movie, I don't think Ed Hunt, the director, I don't think he understood what he wanted to make. And so it's like a I agree. throwback to a one of these 50s brain monster movies. And then he's like, well, I could kind of be funny and be a little political and satirical about our modern obsession with TV. But I'm not going to play that up too much either. I'm going to throw in like a teen romance. And 100%. Just, I, I agree. It, it seems a little convoluted when I step back. They should have leaned into yeah. one one area. Yeah. Are we doing the 50s throwback? Yeah. Are we doing Night of the Creeps? Exactly. And just do completely retro. Or are, are we going to play this super straight? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was like, they. yeah, there, there, there are too many opportunities for humor. I think there's other brain monster movies. <laughs> if you want to do brain exploitation <laughs> movies that you could come across that I enjoy more. So I, I don't know. This would be one that I would throw on my list. It did like, the, I mean, I've watched it fine. I probably watched it more than most people have. And absolutely. I, and I know a lot about this movie now. <laughs> more about sodium than I ever really want to know. I'm not going to throw it up on my list. <laughs> 
I think it's better than you think it is. So in Ed Hutt's repertoire of movies, which I've seen his other movies, it's probably the best of his movies if that's saying anything. I'll tell you what. What I would recommend, Noise Violation, double IPA. Absolutely. Without a doubt. This beer is delicious, and it got us through this uh, conversation. It did. (laughs) We're we're doing two recordings today, and I I almost think we should have done this one second. I I do have to say, like, if you're making a holiday movie list, everybody throws in, like, Die Hard and all these movies. Hey, the brain's a Christmas movie. (laughs) But, yeah, Noise Violation. Once again, 100%. Thank you you. very much, High Def Brewing. Totally appreciate you guys. I'm going to be down there again very soon. I do love supporting my local brewery, and we should probably plan a day. Local breweries are your best. Get out there and support them. And it made this conversation good. Even if we disagree on the movie, again, I do not... I thoroughly enjoyed discussing it with you. Again, (laughs) let me be clear. I do not think this movie is the thing. (laughs) But I think it's better than Jason thinks it is. <laughs> it's like, this is a silly movie that's kind of fun and it's problematic with its tone. But I don't want anyone walking away going, Michael thinks yeah, that's as good I, as John Carpenter's you, The Thing. <laughs> so, Michael recommends that I watch with my family at Christmas time. <laughs> exactly. No, no. So I recommend the beer. Absolutely. Noise Violation oh, from High Def Brewing. Well, I think that wraps things up. Absolutely. Subscribe, like, and comment wherever you listen. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And check out our website. This is Beer and Bee Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael. 